0: Quick shout out to our patrons, Kelly Harlan, Timothy O'Keefe, Wicked Encounters, Yanai Ravid, and Alex Peltier. You guys are a much welcome light in the darkness. If you would like to join these wonderful people, please visit patreon.com slash thepatientfiles. Now, please, enjoy the show. I pushed myself closer, bending down and looking over Eli's shoulder. My mind tried to understand the sight before me. I had to remind myself to simply accept what I saw instead. The small cabinet below the sink had no pipes or plumbing, despite the steady stream of water flowing from the faucet. The space extended further than it should have and eventually led into what seemed like a well-lit hallway. Eli didn't hesitate. He dropped to his knees and began crawling inside.
1: Eli! Wait! Oh my god.
0: He, of course, didn't listen and pressed forward. I knew he just wanted to leave the slowly shrinking room, and he was right. Still, I couldn't help but to think we were jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire. Alright, I guess we're doing this.
2: You have to pull on my coat. Pull? Oh, please. I'm holding on. If it's pulling, it's because you're walking too fast. Excuse me for actually wanting to get out of here. You could just let go. You're excused. Uh, Around us was just thick shadow. The flickering light did little to brighten our surroundings. What if we get separated? Then you look for the only source of light, and then it. Uh Uh-huh, and if it goes out, or you drop it... I'm not going to drop it. I nearly dropped my lighter. Donahue and I came to a complete stop. Both of us froze at the sudden noise that echoed somewhere in the dark. I glanced back to look at him. Donahue had the same expression that I did. And if I had to guess, both of our trains of thought were on the same tracks. Part of me wanted to excuse it away. There were plenty of occasional sounds coming from above us. The other part of me began to realize the possible danger that we were in. If there was something down here with us, then our light would be a beacon, a damn dinner bell. On one hand, if I let the flame die, we wouldn't be able to see. The idea of stumbling around in the dark with some unknown monster wasn't an attractive option. On the other, if it could hunt with smell or see in the dark, I would be taking away our only advantage. Donahue seemed to read my mind. Keep it on. Chances are it's just one of those flesh things. Let's hope. Those things didn't seem to be able to move. At least not well. If it's one of them, how did it end up under here?
3: How did any of them end up anywhere? Does it matter? Hand me your phone. What?
2: No. Why? The flashlight app, obviously. Use yours. I'm at like 12% anyway. 12 How? You you barely touched the thing. When was the last time
3: you charged it? About a week. Ah, Just use yours. Oh, mine is dead. What? I forgot the car charger, and it took much longer than expected to find the hospital. Plus, I didn't get a chance to charge it last night. My charger was in the kitchen. When I went to get it, someone was in their boxes, rifling through the fridge, drunk. Forgive me for allowing said person to keep a shred of dignity. Fine. Fine. Here. What's your pass, and of course you don't have one. I slowly swung the beam of light around. Mr. Gray drew his weapon and I retrieved a dagger. The phone's light revealed a horrifying sight around us. Just out of the illumination provided from Mr. Gray's lighter were countless lumpy masses of flesh and fat. The closest, the one I assumed let out the horrendous growl, was flailing about, its odd appendages trying to grasp and grab at us. Good thing they haven't figured out that they could just use those things to crawl. Ugh, Donahue! What? It's not like they can hear us. You, um, Eh. wonder what set it off. Does it matter? Let's just stay out of reach and navigate through them. Through them? Are you
2: insane? You have a better idea? Yeah. Go around this horde entirely. Or, make our way back the way we came and find another way. Another way to what? We literally have no
3: idea where we're heading. We can't avoid all danger, can we? No, we absolutely can. Ugh.
2: whatever. Do what you want. Donahue took a few steps forward making sure to give the creature a large berth his steps were slow the thing somehow followed his movements reaching for him as its many mouths snapped open and shut damn it the flesh creature responded to my movements it split its attention between Donahue and myself as soon as he made it around the thing all of its efforts focused on me fascinating that's one word for it
3: seeing how it responded to us made me come up with a theory once mr gray was in the clear and standing next to me i decided to test it
2: what are you gonna?
3: mr gray didn't finish his question because it quickly was answered my blade bounced off the floor and i followed it with phone's light the blade came into proximity of one of those living tumorous things The creature began to flail, and soon, it reached out and grabbed it. With a greedy hunger, it plucked the knife off the ground and shoved it into one of its many orifices. It bit down a metal, slicing itself in the process. Blood gushed and ran down its amorphous body. It didn't seem to care or respond to the pain, if it even felt pain, that is. Still, this confirmed my theory. Whether it was the vibrations from our footsteps or some sort of sensory input we couldn't understand, these things responded when their proximity had been breached. The flashlight app on the phone switched off. A notification came on screen. Battery at 10%.
2: Without the flashlight, we won't be able to see them until we're within reach. I think I know the way back. Nothing is gained by going backwards. We
3: press forward. We can use their growls to warn us and navigate using sound. (laughs) Oh, so
2: you are insane. There are multiple of those things ahead of us. Make your way, slowly, back to the light, Donahue. Donahue.
4: Mr. Talbot and I made it out to the other side. Good thing, too. The crawl space wasn't any better than the shrinking room, but at least the tunnel wasn't getting smaller. I waited for Mr. Talbot to emerge. I may have been crawling faster than him. There we go. So the place we ended up wasn't anything super cool or anything at first glance. Another hallway. Kind of like the one we started in after the elevator, I mean. Next up, this hallway was well lit and there wasn't a mess on the floor. It was smaller, too. Not like uncomfortably small. It was just shorter to walk from end to end. Oh! Also, we were in luck. Hanging on the wall and hooks were a couple of white coats. There were a bunch of them. I first tried to find one my size. I didn't exactly find one that fit, but I grabbed the shortest one and put it on. Each one had a badge clipped onto them. The one on mine looked nothing like me. It didn't really look like anyone, to be honest. I could tell it was supposed to be a person. It looked a little distorted and wavy. Like the photo had melted a little... The name also made no sense. I don't mean that it was just silly or uncommon. It was just a bunch of squiggly lines. As far as name badges go, this one kind of sucked. Eli? What are you doing?
0: And why are you wearing that?
4: In case we need to blend in.
0: In case we... Uh, why why the would... The doesn't match me, though.
4: <sighs> I suppose we could, like, flip them or something.
0: Hold on. Let me see that. Huh. Just like the first hall.
4: What are you doing?
0: This hallway looks like a staff-only place. I wonder if... Ah! <laughs> Wait. What? What is it? All these badges are distorted, I- except these two. Let me see! Ah, uh, look at this one first.
4: Dean of Medicine... Doctor Angela Beckett. She looks old.
0: She looks around my age, Eli. <laughs>
4: yeah. Anyway, what's the other one?
0: It's a visitor badge. Specifically, an outside consultant. Here.
4: That's Dad. Oh wait, no, that makes sense. We already knew that he knew the Dean Lady.
0: Sure. But why is his name readable? Why is this picture not distorted? Hmm. Let's just find Dr. Beckett's office. Hopefully we'll get answers there.
4: Yeah, let's go.
0: Eli and I made our way to the nearest door and swung it open. We were met with more empty black void. Slowly, we made our way to the next and we were rewarded with the same result. H. Gray said to also make note of how we felt. I'm not sure how it would help, but... He's a P.I., so here goes. Despite our actions being met with a wall of cold and darkness, I felt resolved. For the first time since we threw that rug out and this whole nightmare began, I had something I could hold on A clue. A piece of an answer. Dr. Olin's badge meant something to me. Even if this clue led nowhere, I had something to follow something to uncover the questions of how and why only dr beckett and dr olin's images and names kept their form burned at me i had this hunger this need to know only one door remained in painted letters it read testing room b To our relief, the door opened to another room. It was circular, with a smooth concrete floor. There were small drains built into the ground, evenly spaced throughout the room. In the center sat a single medical bed. It was adjusted into a sitting position. It was flanked on either side by IV stands. An odd helmet lay on top of the bed. Wires and tubes ran from it to large machinery at the far end of the room. However, the most unsettling part of this was a male nurse standing beside the bulky systems. He was wearing dark blue scrubs and didn't appear to be moving. The single hanging light in the center of the room did little to shed light on any other details.
4: Um, hello? My name is Elijah Olin, but you can call me Eli, but only if you're friendly. Please be friendly.
0: Eli, be ready.
4: Excuse me, sir. If you jump scare me, I'll be pretty upset. Hello? Could you maybe turn around? Oh, thank God.
0: Wait, what? Is it safe?
4: Yeah, come here. I thought it was going to be something scary, but it's not.
0: (sighs) Well, that's good at least. Perhaps...
4: Uh, Eli, it it has no face. Wow, okay. No need to be rude, Mr. Talbot. Plenty of things don't have faces, Mr. Talbot. In what world is that normal? You know what? (laughs) Stupid question.
0: At least it's docile. For now, anyway. Keep an eye on it. I want to look around.
4: All good. How do you think it breathes? Can it breathe? Eli!
3: Donahue! Sorry, I was just thinking. Alright, I suppose you're... Did you hear that?
2: Oh, you mean the sound of wet meat hitting the floor? How could I miss it?
3: Well, yes, but before that, there was this snap sound. Why does that sound so familiar? Who cares? Let's just head back. No, no. Hold on. Let me... Oh, I remember. Charles, when he told us about the police station. Yeah, what about it? We had burritos for dinner. Right, yes, of course. Do you recall that bit about the janitor's closet? I was pinned down and then... Talbot had to save you. All right. First of all, I'm sure I had that handled. And second, you remember how he saved me? He... He heard a snap sound and then the gun. Right. I know it's a long shot, but what if it's the same thing? What? How? Why? No clue. Perhaps you did it. The only common factor is that in both circumstances a cop was present. Well, ex-cop in this case.
2: No. And what use would a destroy-your-own-gun ability even have?
3: I have a theory. If my wet shoes are to be believed, take a few steps forward.
2: Uh, I took a few steps in the orange glow of my lighter soon found Donahue. He was right. The creature, or what was left of it, laid at his feet. Lumps of flesh were scattered on the floor. It was as if the creature had come apart at the seams causing fatty tissue to slough off its already bulbous form. Blood pooled onto the tile. Way too much blood. What are you doing? It was like I thought. Another one of those things was a few feet further in. And just like the one at Donahue's feet, it was dead, and its body had fallen apart. Oh. I don't like
3: this. Speak for yourself. The path is clear. Even if it is a gruesome one, and will ruin my outfit.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: But why? How? Ugh, you sound like Charles. Seeking answers isn't always a bad thing in the city. Especially if you can save your life with them. Alright, alright, fine. Theories? The things under here don't seem to have access to food like the ones above. They're smaller, too. Perhaps if they don't eat, they eventually just... Crumble? It's... Possible, but isn't
3: that convenient? They seemed fine when we came across them, so we just happened to arrive as they starve in the most dramatic of ways? Ah, it's not a bad point. Then there was that snap sound, if it was the same as what Charles described. Yeah, I agree. That is concerning. Are you sure that's not a cop thing? I've never heard of it or
2: seen it before. That's fair. You would know which abilities you have and which you don't. That's not completely accurate. I'm sorry, what? (sighs) When I first left the Force, my memory was foggy. For a while, I didn't know who I was or what I was. Even when my sense of self stabilized, there was a lot I didn't know. Didn't take long for me to find out I was disconnected, though. Disconnected? The cops are a hive mind. You don't say. Ah, they have a mental database of sorts. Not only do they share thoughts, but also memories. It's usually used to coordinate, but also for investigations. Any cop can dip into these memories when needed. Sounds like a valuable resource. It is. But my point is, I don't have all the abilities that the cops do. It took years before I learned I could mimic voices. Is it possible that the
3: police, and by extension you, are evolving? Uh, let's hope not.
2: The idea that they could just destroy so easily.
3: That would be bad, yes. Brightside, you wouldn't need a gun. I like my gun. Aside from my excellent banter, we made our way in relative silence. It was like wading through a pond of visceral gore. Eventually, we saw a light in the distance. Soon after, we emerged. Well, my clothes are ruined. I'll put it on your tab. Uh Uh-huh. Ah, Looks like we made it out the other side. Indeed. Now where? Before us was the other side of the cafeteria. To our right and left was more of the room, stretching on and on. In front of us were two doors. One that had an exit sign above it, and the other was a swinging door often seen in commercial kitchens. Problem was, both were huge.
2: That one looks like it leads to a stairwell. I doubt we could reach the handle, let alone climb up or down the oversized stairs. We both might be able to push on that door.
3: Mr. Gray shrugged, and we began to walk in that direction. We barely made it halfway when we heard a loud noise. It took us a moment to recover. Both of us were on guard, knives and gun drawn. However, we soon realized what it was we heard. A door handle. The sound had become almost unrecognizable, perhaps due to the fact we were either really small or the room was really large. We might have missed it altogether if not for the stairwell door slowly sliding open, its hinges becoming like nails on a chalkboard. We both remained at the ready. We expected some unknown horror to slither its way out of the darkened crack of the doorway. A long moment passed, and nothing happened. We waited a bit longer. Suddenly, the door slammed shut, and with it came a loud bang that hurt our ears in a gust of wind that nearly knocked us to our feet. Mr. Gray went to speak, only for the door to open and slam shut two more times. The force of the last one did manage to leave us
2: without purchase. Well, something wants our attention. What? I said, something wants our atten- ah, never mind. I think something wants us to use that door. What?
4: I remember the faceless nurse suddenly reaching out and grabbing me but I had no idea how I ended up strapped into the bed. The bed was in a sitting position. I had IVs hooked up to my arms. My body was heavy, and I felt like I was about to throw up. Mr. Talbot was in my view on the other side of the room. It was like his body was frozen mid-run. Mr. Talbot? He didn't answer. I suppose he couldn't, being frozen and all. As soon as I spoke, a blue, transparent, ghostly image appeared before me. Sweetie, it's okay. I immediately recognized the woman as Dr. Beckett from the ID badge. You've made a big mistake, lady. I hate being tied up. Ngh! What? Hold on. Ngh! Ah!
5: Ah! No! Why isn't it working? I know, I know, honey. The straps are for your protection. It's all right. Mommy's here.
4: Okay, so, I was feeling a lot at that moment. Like, um, anger, I hate being stuck or trapped. I was confused. Obviously, I had no idea how I ended up in that chair. But also, my spark mode not working?
5: That never happens. Oh, and also, did she say mom? It's okay, it won't take long. After this, how about we get ice cream?
4: The image of Dr. Beckett gently placed a hand on my head. That somehow calmed me and a feeling of excitement rose up inside me. Don't get me wrong, because I love ice cream, but I should have been more afraid. Yet, I could feel my body relax. That was until the door opened. Fear and panic came crashing in, and my body flailed wildly without my intention. Another ghostly blue figure entered the room. Are there any changes to the subject? It was Dad. I mean, yeah, all ghost-like, but it was Dad.
5: Subject? Dad? This is my child we're talking about, Gavin.
4: (sighs) Not in this room.
1: Not while we work. Angela, I need you to be calm and objective. Your judgment must not be impaired. You tend to make mistakes when you're emotional.
5: I tend. (sighs) You're right. To answer your question, yes. The subject has seen another spike in their ability growth. It would seem that with this, the subject's illness also accelerated. what is
1: she
4: talking about?
1: So, as we thought, the two are linked.
4: Treatment options? First, let's establish a baseline. Dad began walking towards me. I started to thrash about again. And the desire to get away was strong. Stronger than anything I have ever felt. Dr. Beckett moved to my side and began to fiddle with the IV bags. All sense of warmth left her. Dad reached into his pocket and pulled out a syringe, but unlike him, it wasn't blue or see-through. It was a real needle. Dr. Beckett placed that weird-looking helmet on my head and tightened its straps. I heard some switches being flipped behind me, and I couldn't move. The helmet felt like it was sending pulses of electricity into my skull. My body became stiff, but stationary. The needle started inching closer to me. You may feel some discomfort. The hollow point came into clear view as it ever so slowly moved closer and closer to my eye. I tried looking away, tried screaming, tried using my power, but nothing happened. All I could see was my dad's face. The Needle, and Mr. Talbot. Stop it! The images of Dad and Dr. Beckett vanished, and with them, most of the fear did too. It was like for the first time, I realized my emotions were mine again, and all I was left with was my own confusion. Eli? Eli! Mr. Talbot ran over to me. Mr. Talbot? How?
0: No idea. Hold on. Let's get you out of this before whatever that was happens again.
4: Uh, uh, Mr. Talbot. Uh,
0: shit. Uh, Eli, emotions in a folder. Yeah. Hold on. I almost got. It. Uh.
4: The helmet was off, and it didn't take long for Mr. Talbot to undo the strap that held my arms down. He then started working at the one that held my legs in place, and while he did that, I clawed at the one around my waist. The cracks grew bigger, and the shaking became more intense. Chunks of the concrete floor started to fall into an empty void as cold air pushed its way into the room. I was free.
0: The door! Left, get out Yeah!
4: We started to run, and the ground gave way beneath us. We were feet away from it when the tiles broke completely, and... We fell, tumbling down into the dark.
3: All right, I think my hearing is back. Let's try the open door, shall we? Ah, what now? Not sure, but perhaps we should hurry? I think the floor is beginning to crack.
2: In any normal circumstance, I would say the cracks started off small. But, considering the giant proportions of the room and everything in it, each crack might as well have been a ravine. We didn't waste any time and took off running. I swear, if this is part of your new breaking things power, I... Donahue wasn't able to finish his sentence as the ground crumbled beneath him. In an excellent display of dexterity, he tried jumping off the debris and back to solid footing. He wasn't that good, however, and I was too slow. I watched as his body fell into the darkness. My hand failed to grab onto his. I was a second too late. The floor continued to crack around me as I sprinted to the open door, and once again, I was a second too late. I felt the concrete beneath me fall, dropping me into the void before I could reach the threshold.
0: The fall was so quick that the air from my lungs immediately left. It was so cold that I could feel frost gathering at my fingertips and my tears froze to my cheeks. I wanted to call out, to say something, anything, but I didn't have the breath to form the words. I couldn't tell if my vision began to darken or the void simply encroached on me. Eli was the only thing within sight and his image began to blur. Fear flooded throughout my body. Then spark of light. A small burst of illumination. Electricity began to arc around Eli, starting off small and then quickly becoming a curtain of lightning rippling around him. In a single instant, an erratic bloom of electricity emanated from him. I mentally braced for the pain of being fried to a crisp as a wave of power rushed out of Instead, I was met with the pain of my body hitting the ground.
2: That's the floor. Oh, I'd recognize the taste anywhere. Hello, old friend. Speak
3: for yourself. I absolutely stuck the landing. Donahue? Charles?
2: Charles, Donahue? is that you?
4: Uh, everyone's okay.
0: Uh, define okay.
3: Uh, uh,
0: I think I broke something.
3: I have a pretty badly bruised ego, and... Oh, no! Donna, you! I think my watch broke. Oh, God damn, damn it. Damn it all, that was my second favorite watch. Yeah, I can feel the crack on the glass.
0: Ken, anyone see where we are?
2: Afraid not. Oh, hold on. Hold on, I have a lighter.
4: Oh, let me.
0: Light spilled into the space. When my eyes adjusted, I saw Eli standing with his palm facing up. Floating just above his open hand was a small ball of lightning. I looked around to find the others. Donahue was already standing. From his knees down to his shoes, he was covered in blood. He didn't seem to panic, so it wasn't his, I reasoned. A theory confirmed when I looked at H. Gray, with similar stains on him. He was in a sitting position, and he was drinking from a flask. A low, throbbing pain drew my attention to my ankle. Rolling up my pants, I saw that it was badly bruised and swollen. Eli, on the other hand, seemed completely fine. Yeah. Uh, That actually might be broken.
2: Uh, Stay still. Let me look at you. Where even are we?
4: Kind of looks like another hospital hallway. Uh,
2: Careful. Eli, don't wander off. I need the light. Charles, you won't believe what we've been through.
0: Uh, If it was anything like what we did, I think I get it.
4: First, we were in a room that kept getting smaller. So then we had to crawl through a cabinet, and then there was this very odd room. I was tied down, and oh! I saw Dad! Wait, what? Well, it wasn't really Dad. He was kind of this see-through bluish ghost thing. Uh, Dr. Beckett was there too. Um, well, kind of... but also kind of like Dad.
0: I'm... not sure what happened. One minute we were exploring the room, the next, Eli was strapped into a chair and I was frozen in place. I think what we saw was like a memory
2: of sorts.
3: Fascinating. We just navigated through a far too large cafeteria.
2: Nah, don't think it's broken. A really bad sprain, maybe, but you'll be alright.
0: Thanks. Also, we found these... Is that? Yeah. Dr. Olin and Dr. Beckett. Not sure if you noticed, but anything else written is
2: jumbled. Except, so far, these two names. Can you stand? We aren't safe yet. Give him a moment to recover.
0: No, he's right. Here, let me help. We should get moving. Charles leaned
3: against Mr. Gray as we made our way down the hall. Eli held his ball of lightning, providing us with dim illumination. Unlike the first hallway we entered, this one was clean. On either side of us were doors. I checked each one as we passed. To no one's surprise, they were locked. Sure, I could have taken the time to pick each one, but I didn't see the point. Until we found some sort of desired direction, it was enough to simply get our bearings in this new space. Not to mention, the doors themselves all had small window and on the other side was just darkness. The void, if I had to guess. Eventually, we reached the end of the hall, which, let's be honest, was far more fascinating. It was an odd juxtaposition. The door we all now stood at simply didn't belong. Lavender in color with stickers of flowers placed on the painted wood, blocky colorful letters spelled the name Luna. All in all, it looked like the bedroom door to a child's room.
0: Luna. Hmm. Another name that can be
2: read. Quite so. Let's see if it's locked, shall we? Donahue turned the knob and it opened. We pressed onward, this time making sure to stay together as a group. As soon as the door closed behind us, the room sparked with light. Teddy bears and other children's toys laid across the room. The walls were painted a shade of pink. A small table was tucked away in the corner that was clearly used for tea parties, complete with a plastic teapot and matching cups. A bed with a purple comforter was placed on the other side of the room, filled with pillows and more stuffed animals. The only thing that betrayed its image of a standard little girl's room was the large mirrored wall on one side.
4: Thank God! Look! There's a door over there!
2: Really? That's what you noticed first?
3: Not the two-way mirror or the child's bedroom?
0: Uh, well, our first room only had one door. I don't blame him.
3: Fair enough. I suppose we should press on anyway, correct? I'm not keen on the idea of someone watching
2: us through the mirror. We should at least search the room. We are looking for leads.
0: Uh, I'd rather leave. This clearly isn't the dean's office.
4: As they argued over what to do, I kind of just wandered around the room. Most of the toys were kid stuff, so nothing looked super interesting, really. Things around the room all seemed new, like they were bought recently. But the plastic tea set on the table looked really old. The color of the teapot was faded, and it looked like it was handled a lot. I reached forward and picked it up. As if H. Gray had eyes in the back of his head, his attention snapped to me.
3: I'm not sure why this is a hard decision. Eli, don't touch that!
4: But it was too late. My hand was already wrapped around the teapot's handle.
0: Just like before, I found my body frozen. I'm pretty sure I wasn't even breathing, but somehow I didn't feel that burning sensation in my lungs. I was simply stopped. Only my awareness was present. Eli was curled up in the bed. A small smile rested on his face. He was sleeping. In a moment, two blue ghostly images manifested into the room.
1: This is Dr. Olin recording. In the room with me, I have Dr. Beckett and Subject 0839EC. Subject has been administered sleep aids. For the details, check the patient file.
5: Luna, Subject 0839EC has shown no ability to consciously control their special abilities. Hypothesis, the right combination of sleep medication could interfere with the subject's dream state and thus limit or halt ability use. This is attempt 246. Gavin, may I ask you a question?
1: I would prefer we remain focused on the experiment, Doctor.
5: Gavin, I understand maintaining objective professionalism. However, the subject is asleep. All right. This is the last combination of drugs that I can think of. Well... At least without causing lasting harm. What... what do we do if this doesn't work? Gavin?
1: We revise the hypothesis. We find another way, Angela.
5: Another way? What way? City artifacts only seem to accelerate her condition and amplify her power. Your other tricks acted as a band-aid at best, and none of your so-called patients are able or willing to help.
1: What is your point, Angela?
5: Perhaps... Perhaps we should consider asking him.
1: Absolutely not. It's too dangerous. The subject, Luna, can't leave the city. That was the first thing we tried. You remember what happened.
5: Clear Minds has more resources than we do. Each time she uses her ability, she gets worse. I'm not saying we take her out, but perhaps we could- If you're
1: suggesting what I think you are, you know very well why that's a bad idea Lives we would be putting at risk.
5: And what about my daughter's life, Gavin? Angela,
1: I understand. Trust me, I do. The risk is too high. Whatever. Next time I go back, I'll talk to him again. See if we can come up with something new.
5: Yeah, yeah, all right.
1: But, Angela, I will do everything in my power. However, you may want to consider. Consider.
5: What, Gavin?
1: You may want to consider saying goodbye.
5: Goodbye? Goodbye! She is a ten-year-old child! I
1: know this is hard for
5: you. Don't! Don't you dare shrink me, Gavin. I am not one of your patients.
1: You're right. I apologize. I only wish to help. Gavin! There is plenty we haven't tried.
5: Perhaps we- No, Gavin! Dr. Olin! Luna! Luna! The subject!
1: Another teddy bear. I missed it. Fascinating.
5: As did I. Perhaps the camera caught something.
0: It never does. Eli was now clutching a stuffed bear that looked brand new, with no signs of wear or tear. The comforter hadn't even been disturbed. And from what I could see, he hadn't got out of bed. Like Dr. Olin and Dr. Beckett, I also took my attention off Eli and was more focused on their conversation. At first, I thought Eli could have simply grabbed one of the many plush animals on the bed, and then I counted and compared that number to how many were in the room when we came in. It was as if the extra bear simply manifested into Eli's arms. The blue specters faded, and I could feel my body once again respond to my commands. Eli's eyes fluttered open.
4: Where am I? What in the devil
3: was that?
0: Just like the room with the chair.
4: What? Oh no! What happened?
3: Charles walked, well more like hobbled, to the bedside and began to catch Eli up on what we all just witnessed. I, on the other hand, moved my way to the door, ready to be done. H. Gray simply stood there in silence for a moment. Then, he brought his hand up, inches from his face. His eyes squinted as he looked at it inspecting the palm before flipping it over. He was putting something together. What that was, I had no idea. Care to share with the
2: class? Nope. We should get going. Something tells me we're nearly at the end of this. Is that so? Are you good to move Eli?
4: Yeah.
2: We gathered up as a group and walked out of the room. This time, we were not met with a long hallway, but rather a small corridor with just enough room for us to squeeze in. Eli shifted uncomfortably. We were presented with the final door. A small placard next to it read, Dean of Medicine, Dr. Angela Beckett. Donahue opened it, and we were met with a wall of light. Everyone ready?
0: This episode is a Dark Papers Entertainment production. Showrunners for this episode were Christopher George and Dalton Lewis. This episode was written by Christopher George. Script editing was done by Dalton Lewis. Dr. Charles Talbot was voiced by Christopher George. H. Gray was voiced by Michael Williams. Dr. Gavin Olin was voiced by Peter O'Keefe. Dr. Angela Beckett was voiced by Caroline Peltier. Lucian Donahue was voiced by Dakota Hamlin. And Eli was voiced by Dalton Lewis. Hello, listeners, patients, and our Minds employees. Chris here. Once again, thank you so much for listening. It means so much to us, and it can never be said enough. If you enjoyed the show, please get a job in an airport, hijack their speakers, and play it over the PA. Or I suppose you could just tell your friends and family. Make sure to leave a review, or five of those stars, so we can bring this to as many ear holes as possible. Connect with us on our socials, and if you really want to help keep the lights on, check out our Patreon. Links can be found in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane.